Welcome to Spectrum Sundays. I am Megan Sinisi, Miss Pennsylvania 2021 and the founder of a nonprofit organization for autism titled From a New Perspective. I am also a speech language pathologist with a master's degree from the University of Missouri. And I am Francesca D'Alessandro, serving my community through AAA Appreciation and Awareness for Autism. I am also a speech language pathologist with a master's degree from the University at Buffalo. Everyone deserves to feel accepted and included in every space they walk in. Our series aims to inspire you to advocate for yourself and on behalf of your loved ones. And we are so grateful that you're here with us today. Maisie Sotantio is an openly autistic advocate and inclusivity trainer. In, nine, sorry, in 2019, Macy started the nonprofit Autism Career Pathways with a mission to increase hiring and long-term retention rates for autistic individuals seeking careers in all types of businesses. Macy also believes that autistic individuals can redefine meaningful employment as small business owners. As a family coach, Macy helps to empower parents to take back their role as competent individuals capable of guiding their autistic loved ones within their own family culture. After her own autism and SPD diagnosis, she now shares her lived experiences to help parents support, accommodate, and advocate from a place of compassion and positive mindset. With her master's degree in curriculum and instructional design, she inspires she aspires to develop vocational and adaptive living curriculum for teens and adults with neurological differences. Her goal is to create resources for educators, professionals, job coaches, and business owners from all over the world to hire and support neurodivergent individuals in a variety of workspaces. So we always start out our conversations with self-advocates if they prefer a person first language, which is saying person with autism or identity first language, which is saying autistic, just so that we are as respectful as possible as we continue the conversation today. So do you have a preference for one over the other? Uh, well, first of all, thank you for having me today. I uh, actually prefer, uh, I'm autistic. That's just my preference. So thank you for asking. Yes, and thank you for sharing that with us. We do find, um, it seems that it's a pattern that most people on the spectrum do prefer autistic because it embraces that mm -hmm. piece of their identity and mm -hmm. we respect anybody in any language preference that they choose. And I think that it's a really good first step in mm -hmm. empowering people to take take charge of what they prefer to have that right. question at the forefront of our conversation. So thank you for sharing that. Could you also um, share about what inspired you to begin Autism Career Pathways? Sure, sure. So um, I've been working with autistic uh, individuals. I started working with autistic kids actually a long time ago, like 30 years ago, when I was an undergraduate at UCLA. And um, I've always loved working with kids. And at UCLA, there was uh, the Young Autism uh, Project, which was the clinic that started the behavioral uh, analysis program, ABA program that is commonly, commonly used today uh, as part of autistic children's early intervention. So I came across autism uh, through this door as a behavioral therapist. I was actually, uh, I wanted to work with uh, kids, with, uh, special needs kids, and I was placed in a classroom, an autistic classroom, uh, 
And many of those little kiddos, of course, had uh, ABA programs through the UCLA clinic under Dr. Ivar Lovest. So that's how I got started a long time ago. And um, I became uh, an ABA therapist and worked my way up as a clinic supervisor. And I work for a very large um, clinic. And I think it's because I am, I have my autistic soul. I realized there's something very much inher inherently wrong in this approach because uh, I just didn't understand how I could help my clients to be able to come out and be able to feel comfortable to relate with other people, you know, and it doesn't really matter like how eclectic my approach was, how like in collaboration with other therapists also, it just, there was just something missing. And for the longest time I couldn't, I couldn't put my finger on it. What was it exactly that really bothered me? You know, because I think I did this approach for 10 years for a long time. And uh, I just, didn't know why it didn't feel right to me. So I switched after doing that for that many, over a decade, I switched to a relationship-based approach. And that suits me more, I think. And at the clinic, at Catch Clinic, that's what we do, my husband and I, we are both parent coaches uh, for these many years and we love it because we only work with parents and we empower parents and we really respect that each family has uh, their own identity uh, and we we do home visits and it, it's been um, a really uh, amazing journey to take on as a as a parent coach I think and within this 20 years of doing this, a parent coach, I also became a mom um, myself. And I think the relationship-based approach, I think it's it fits me much better. And of course, because it's a relationship-based approach, of course, my little clients grew up and some of them stayed with me from like a behavioral approach to more relationship-based approach. And they were now young adults finishing up college and they still couldn't get a summer job at Domino's. And I just started thinking again, it's what is like all this hard work, this partnership with parents and certainly um, the, the hardest working people in this program, of course, the autistic people themselves, my autistic clients, they have worked really, really hard all their lives. I've known them since they were little and they're now young adults with aspirations and they just could not make it in the employability just to get like some summer job, you know, even though like this young man eat pizza every day. <laughs> He's a pizza expert and Domino's wouldn't give him a job because he couldn't sell his skills verbally, you know? So that's why in 2019, I started 
the, the nonprofit to really figure out what is going on um, with employability, employment opportunities for autistic young adults. And yeah, so that's the reason that I started uh, ACP. And I really want to build a platform for to show the world really um, different kinds of talents and how uh, all autistic people, they can do excellence if we know how to support them and how to uh, really tap into their specialized interests and really start with the person-centered strength-based approach. Uh, and that's what we wanna do. We wanna build a platform housing um, videos, short videos for small businesses. So my targeted audience is actually the small businesses in our community, the bakery, the printing company. We can't all depend on Google and SAP and Chase Bank to really hire certain types of autistic people with certain skills. I really want to go the opposite to help our communities understand how they can step up. That's what our uh, ACP is all about. I really love that you're taking a more grassroots approach with mm -hmm. this, uh, with your business, because you are still making tangible change that will have a rippling effect, um, hopefully within the big corporations and there hopefully will be a systematic change eventually. But you're mm -hmm. so right. It really starts with a person-centered approach in anything you do. There's a lot of different information and experiences out there which is why we really value your many years of experience and mm -hmm. your perspective. And, yeah. and as far as Autism Career Pathways, what goals do you have for your company and how can we help and our viewers help uh, with building that? Oh my gosh, we have so many goals, of course. You know, uh, being that this is a new nonprofit and I my learning curve is very steep you know I'm the new kid um, in town and um, we have to learn how to do many things as a nonprofit. but one thing that I love doing is to just host events whether it's in person or online and uh, for example, right now we have Autistic Makers Holiday Boutique Campaign. I don't know if you saw that on my Instagram. I just kickstarted that at the beginning um, of this week. So I'm actually featuring autistic products and autistic business owners from all over the world to really show that, hey, as a community, let's support autistic owned businesses. Let's look at these beautiful creations. And I always tell autistic makers, even if you have two products and you don't have a website yet, you know, just show me your product. I'll get it out there, you know? And now I run the parenting Instagram account under my own name and also at Autism Career Pathways. Uh, and then there's Facebook. It's like, I have did the not so smart thing of running multiple so many accounts, but this is actually maybe hopefully become a platform for our community to come together and really see uh, all these talents. And given that it's holiday, almost holiday time, 
why don't we start shopping early? And, you know, so that's just one of events that we're doing. So in May earlier this year, we did something very similar with uh, Caitlin Stamus and John Stamus made an appearance. Um, and we did uh, a spotlight of uh, autistic makers as well. So that was really amazing. Um, we also have a project called uh, better community projects. So that's actually in the works. And what it is, is a, is a small business sensory inclusive certification. And we're going to start certifying restaurants and libraries and why these two places, because we did a survey and parents were sharing that it's heartbreaking that one, they rarely get a break. And if they do have a little bit of time, it's really hard to go out and just get a cup of coffee with, with their autistic child or just be able to meet up with other families with their autistic kids, you know, and be able to go and not be judged and, you know, feel safe, you know. So based on that, I created the Better Community Project. And I hope that, again, small businesses in our community can really understand better, uh, not just people, autistic people, but also, for example, what is sensory processing disorder? You know, what are some communication differences? So they, they do see a customer who maybe have difficulties like ordering from their menu, they know what to do, right? So the goal of Better Community Project is not to tell businesses like, how to, to be inclusive, how to spell it out for them, but to help them understand better so they can be proactive in the process and they can say, hey, in our little small space, space we know what to do. Mm -hmm. And these are some of the things that we have done to be more neurodivergent and welcoming. So that's a better community project. So if you know any businesses, the libraries, contact your library, and I can send you the digital flyer. And if we can just have libraries across America get through this certification, get certified, it will be incredible. You Absolutely. know, I yeah, agree. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that's, I have other projects, but it will probably take a long time to just explain everything. Well, <laughs> but those are the three main ones. Yeah. yeah. Those are amazing and um, yeah. incredible first steps in creating a more welcoming world to those right. who are neurodivergent. Yes. And making it more accessible. I have a few comments about the projects that, that you yeah. created. So this campaign that you just launched, not only yeah. does that give more exposure to autistic-owned businesses, yeah but it's also proving to other employers yeah. or people in the community that yeah. they have worthwhile skill sets that can bring an asset to our community. So I think yeah. that is just remarkable. And then the better, did you say it's better? Better community. Better yes. Community That can be just a pivotal example of how employers mm -hmm. can undertake that kind of clinical training and then implement it into their workforce yeah. that not only are they able to serve a larger clientele and bring more business in, mm -hmm. but it might be easier for them to hire more employees because we all know that there's a lack of staff and a lack of help. Right. So if we open up these doors, it can be twofold in, in the business. Yeah. So I commend you for your hard work in making that happen. Well, thank you. I think it's a long ways. I think 
that, you know, my sweet spot or the, the population that I feel very passionate about are people who are more impact, impacted by their uh, autistic conditions, people who are minimally speaking or non-speaking with using AAC users, people who are really tough to figure out as they say, right? And people who are often presumed not to be capable and competent and thoughtful just because they look and behave and communicate differently. You know, this is really what I want to work hard to share their stories. Um, I mean, personally, I do better as a freelancer. Like I always tend to jump around. Like I don't do well with doing the same things, but I know many of autistic people who love doing the same thing. And if you ask them, do you ever want to have uh, an opportunity to advance in this company? And they will perfectly say, nope, I'm happy where I am. <laughs> you know, so everybody's a little bit different. But I think um, there are a lot of uh, freelancers that autistic people can do from home. Like me, I mostly work from home and it suits us perfectly. It's just about let's have this conversation. Let's think outside of the box together. Uh, and I hope that Better Community Project would be the beginning of it, like where everyone can be more welcoming together and you know so that's that's the plan anyways <laughs> yeah, I think it's an amazing first step and it can only have a ripple yeah. effect for the future so going along the lines of how you mentioned your mm -hmm. particular interest is helping those who are minimally speaking or non-speaking or have mm -hmm. a little bit more of a challenging time navigating a world that's truly not designed for them yeah. what are some ways or approaches that you have to help your clients or what's a common uh -huh. problem that you see that they need the most help with to be integrated in the community? I think that the, the first lesson for all of us, I think, whether you're a parent or a mentor or a teacher or a therapist or a babysitter or a mentor at work or uh, hiring manager, you know, uh, the first lesson that was not really uh, taught to us at school was that how to invest in um, ourselves, how to equip ourselves to be able to um, uh, have this mindset that what that person in front of me can give me is just as valuable as what I can give to the person. It's a two-way street, you know? So we were not taught to really uh, start with ourselves. If you are an adult and you are in that position as a more experienced person, then you have to be very aware of your personal and internalized ableism for example, and you have to be very, very aware, you know, when you have a person that you don't know much about sitting in front of you, you have to start, you know, just uh, from nothing, like invest 
in this relationship and figure out how you can make this person sitting in front of you to feel more comfortable with you, right? So it's about nurturing that relationship uh, within the first like five minutes, you share the space together. You know, that is something that we were not taught in school. I was not taught. I mean, we live in this world that's just using performance as the main metrics to really, you know, that's how we're judged. That's how we make our advanced advancement. That's how we get paid more. <laughs> that's yeah. how it is. Yeah. It's much so that there, I yeah. believe this is federally the 14C and subminimum wage makes it so that those with disabilities can be employed, but it depends on their productivity in the company, how much that they get paid. And so simply because they can't put X amount of erasers on a pencil in a factory at yeah. this you know, performance yeah. level, they get paid cents in, in an hour, which is just wild for me to wrap my brain around because it's as if it's, it's as beneficial to work as it is for them to stay home and make and, and not use the money for transportation to get to that workplace. So it's, it's wild for me to wrap my head around that. Exactly, exactly. There are high masking autistic people like me, for example, but if it's the reason is that simple that we teach autistic adults to fake it till you make it, you know, uh, just fake it in a job interview and then you get hired and then you have to hide anyways because there's no clear disclosure process right now. Maybe now it's changing with the bigger companies, but it doesn't matter how brilliant your mind is, how talented you are, how creative you are. If you are, if you are misunderstood, and you're expected to perform according to neurotypical standards, then you're going to fail at some point, right? So again, you know, what our eyes can see is very different than what actually goes on internally. And that's actually for everyone, but for neurodivergent people, we come into the picture with years of feeling like nobody believed in me or, I feel like a failure or because that goalpost just keeps moving and it's not even your, like it's created, your goalpost is created for neurotypical people, right? So it, it's, it's not, you know, high masking people will not be successful because it 85% of, uh, Autistic college graduates are underemployed and or um, unemployed. You see, that's that's why it's not that simple. You know, I don't believe in teaching autistic people to mass to be able to pass an interview because yes. yeah, it's not it's difficult. I completely agree with everything you've said, and I and. If it's any validation, we've had so many different advocates on our series and they've mm -hmm. all confirmed exactly what you're saying. And I think the thing is too, for a lot of people who are neurodivergent in any way, if they have OCD, ADHD, mm -hmm. autism, or 
whatever it might be, they might really feel afraid to disclose something like that because it is so hard to be hired. So there's even more pressure to to make that really so quote unquote great first impression, even though, like you said, it's kind of faking it and masking. So Mm -hmm. what words of encouragement would you have for those who are currently in the job uh, um, employment process and are not sure how to even go about that conversation with their employer? Well, first of all, if you can find out about the company, uh, about their policy uh, and just the culture, their inclusivity culture ahead of time, I think that would be best. Uh, But also, I think you can do partial disclosure where you actually, um, once you get hired, then you maybe you find a mentor or an immediate supervisor and just really say, uh, partial disclosure means that you can describe your strengths and things that you need help with um, without actually uh, sharing your diagnostic label, for example. So like for me, for example, with my auditory processing challenges, I can't uh, listen to someone talking or a lecture and um, be able to take notes, for example. You know, I just can't multi-process like that. So, but actually uh, a possible solution would be pretty simple, like audio recording or having to transcript to follow along during the meeting and the bigger the group is, of course, there's just more noise for me. So that's more challenging, for example. Uh, I hate, for example, being called and this sometimes this happens during the Zoom meeting also, then out of the blue, somebody asked me, so Macy, what do you think about this? Oh my gosh, I feel like I'm like five years. I hate doing that. I hate, I hate the spotlight. Uh, I'm afraid to say the wrong thing. Um, it's just, uh, th- those are little things that I think uh, it can be communicated ahead of time. And I always tell uh, my adult clients to just keep everything in writing Mm -hmm. so once you um, have this new job then find build a relationship with someone who can be an ally to you and if you write everything it doesn't have to be a lot you can just explain a little bit of everything when you do it in an email then when you have a paper paper trail Also, secondly, you're inviting the other person to be proactive, Mm -hmm. right? Because you're initiating, uh, you're you're sharing, and you're also showing that I work best in these conditions and so on. And then you're inviting the other party to also be proactive, right? You, You both, both, you're inviting everybody to start from a place of respect, you know, and, and then you just start from there. Absolutely. And I think that's something that needs to be more normalized for Mm -hmm. all employees that they should be able to openly disclose, especially in a job interview, the accommodations that they may need to work and perform their best. And that Mm -hmm. shouldn't be held against them in in the job interview process. And we all know as clinicians and working very much within the autism community that 
the interview process <clears throat> alone could be a big hurdle in itself. Yeah. So not only is it difficult to disclose that because of the fear of not being hired, because right. who knows if the accommodations will be available to them, mm -hmm. or if the employer may see it as a downfall rather than the, the seeing the skills as assets in, in the, yeah. on the flip side. But yeah, it's very difficult to balance that. And I think holding employers accountable for the change that they could be making rather than putting all of the responsibility on an autistic person to seem or appear more like a normal, typical worker. So I think that right. having that mindset moving forward is a great right. way to start shifting the perspective and the approach yeah. to hiring people yeah. who are divergent and just different. Yeah, I think uh, if you're talking about autistic um, employees, all of us have the sensory and communication differences. So when we talk about work-life balance, it's different than a neurotypical's work-life balance. So in autistic people's world, it's more like work-life integration where your work schedules is a lot more fluid, you know? So, so for example, I could be, doing my work like from eight to nine in the evening, for example, because that's when I have clarity and I'm less distracted. So, so I think that's important also for companies to know, to be able to give that flexibility to their neurodivergent um, co-workers because we just, we have a different engine. You know, we can't, you know, if you're expecting us to show up in the group setting and so on, um, we may be able to do that. So if I am the one doing a presentation and I'm the one talking to people and I know what I'm talking about, uh, I could do that very well. But if you expect me to go take part in the entertaining part, like go out to dinner afterwards, I really don't have the bandwidth to do that anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? So just knowing that, uh, and not judging us when we say, hey, you know what, I, I just can't do that anymore. Or I, I brought lunch today, you know, I want to eat lunch by myself, you know, uh, and, and don't judge us, you know, it doesn't mean that we're antisocial, it doesn't mean that we're introvert, we just have, we're actually setting boundaries, which we really need to be able to show up the best way that we could. Mm -hmm. And that's an example yeah. of acceptance. So accepting that a person yeah. doesn't always have the social communication skills to engage in that all day long, every day. So maybe they've, they've reached their limit for the day and they just, they need to decompress and recharge during their lunchtime. Yeah. Yeah. You, you mentioned about skills. So I want to say very clearly that I think neurodivergent people have the skills. It's not the issues. Mm -hmm. Right. And then this is one of the things that I realized as a behavioral therapist that all of my clients, they had the skills, they had the dots, but they didn't know how to connect the dots because to develop that mindfulness, the ability to make this the best fit decisions, all that stuff that under executive functioning skills, you know, it doesn't ha happen overnight. It's something that you have to know who you are your authentic self in order to problem solve the way that you need to problem solve as an autistic, you know, person, you know, so it's, it's an issue 
Okay, so now I digress. <laughs> what were we talking about? We were talking about, okay, redirect me, please. <laughs> what were we doing? Okay. Kind of recounting. Um, holding employers accountable right. in the hiring process and exactly. having it being a fluid conversation about right. what we need. Oh, I know. It was We were talking about skills. Mm -hmm. uh, we were talking about skills. So it's like, um, yes. So just don't assume that we don't have the skills. It's just that we may show you uh the skills in a different way right so a lot of times i really have a hard time explaining my ideas but i could show you you know what it's all about much better than if i'm asked to describe it for example right uh yeah so this is also if if someone says if if microsoft for example asked me so macy can we hire non-speaking autistic adults to work at Microsoft? You know, if they just have that mindset, I was like, yes, totally. You know, I can help you figure that out. So, oh, I forgot to mention that I did create uh, a work skill-based uh, career screening tool. It's called Capable. Oh, so it's awesome. all, yes. So it has uh, different modules, but it's definitely designed for people who are, um, who prefer to use different communication um, preferences. Mm -hmm. and so it's it's all works skill base. And through that, we can really see the person's interests and aptitudes and systems and how, how they put together, put things together and process and make decisions, ongoing decisions. So yeah, so this is done. And I dream about replacing a verbal interview with capable. So that's my dream. <laughs> I don't that know. Really you know? That. Yeah. that is amazing. Yeah. yeah. You, so are, that's, you have such yeah. a creative mind. And I am. I'm really excited to see all that you do going forward. And we are happy to help in any way possible. So well, you said you. that screening tool is on your website, correct? Yes. Yeah, so it's so what we where we are right now is we're looking for small businesses to come forward and say we want to hire a neurodivergent person and and then i will teach that person that the company to use capable right and imagine if every shop in our community just like hire one part-timer like a neurodivergent part-timer how amazing we could really make a difference, right? Uh, and again, why do I give it away or teach people? It's because all I can do is show them how to, uh, like I, I can give them ideas to think outside of the box and maybe they can uh, create a customized role for a non-speaking person. Um, and then they can just once they feel like, okay, we got this, you know, they can they can keep doing it, you know, they don't need me I'm just one person, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, so that, that's the idea is to really show what autistic people are capable of. Right. And learning, yeah. learning comes from experiences and exposure. Right. And that's exactly right. what you are trying to create. 
which is amazing. And we love to hear more of that going on in the communities, even if it's not in New York or Pennsylvania, it's really nice to connect with other people in different parts of the world making changes. So if there's a message that you would like to share with our viewers, one takeaway from this conversation that you've had today, what would that be? Hmm. I think that um, really it's about um, always uh, seeing the person first. We're all human beings. I think we have to learn to be different together. Uh, I think that's an important message, you know, um, that's that beautiful. I always say, yeah. Yes, and I, I live by that too, because I, I really do think that diversity in in the way that we operate, in the way that we look, in the background and experiences that we come from, cultures, is what makes our world a beautiful place. So the more often that we have advocates in the communities sharing that message that you just shared with our listeners here, the more that we can reach for a more inclusive future in all aspects, not just within disability and neurodiversity, but I think that that's so important too. But thank you so much for visiting with us today on Spectrum Sundays, Macy. We really enjoyed this episode and learning about all of the really important work that you're doing in the workplace to make this employment opportunity so much greater and more tangible for autistic people. So if you all listening- you're well, thank you so much. Um, if you're listening and you would like to support Macy's efforts, please make sure to check out her Instagram pages at Macy's, Macy Sotianto. Sotantio, yeah. Sotantio. <laughs> yeah. And, and we'll put that, that in our caption too for the correct spelling for support in parenting. And you can also follow at Autism Career Pathways for neurodivergent employability and inclusivity consulting. Additionally, please make sure to check out her website, www.autismcareerpathways.org. Thank you, everyone. And we will see you next Sunday. Thank you for listening to Spectrum Sundays. We are your hosts, Miss Pennsylvania, Megan Sinisi and Francesca D'Alessandro. Please make sure to subscribe to our series and follow us on social media to stay connected to autism professionals and self-advocates. And remember, true impact is accomplished through active listening and exploring the world through a variety of perspectives. Join us next week on Spectrum Sundays to help cultivate a community of inclusion, appreciation, and acceptance around autism. 